Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Wow, just as we start the show, they turn off the lights in the building. I had to go turn the light on in my booth. Sorry, guys. I'm ready to go now, I think. We welcome you to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Speed on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960. WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett coming to you from Lefty Smith Rink. That is located inside the Compton Family Ice Arena, home of the Fighting Irish Hockey Team, kind of like last year, searching for their offense, averaging two goals per game. They will begin a two-game non-conference series against Mercyhurst University out of Erie, Pennsylvania. Game one of that series is tonight, 7.30 opening faceoff, 7.15 pregame across the country and around the world on the Notre Dame radio network, including right here in South Bend on Quality Rock 94.3 FM. Back at our WSBT studios, we have our producer, Jim Arizari, and my co-host, Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, covering Notre Dame athletics as part of the Rivals Network. Well, Eric, good to hear your voice on this Thursday. Good to be with you. How are things today as you get set for another Notre Dame home Saturday in just about, what, less than 48 hours? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's been good to get back on the swing of things. It's funny, we've got two games, and then we have another bye week, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, I, I had my bi-week cheeseburger, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, so I'm ready to roll. I am, too. Looking forward to seeing this football team. Really curious to get a feel for the atmosphere inside the stadium with the big aspirations now gone and that big win over the rival USC. 
I think the fact that Pat Narduzzi, if these Irish fans know, Pat's not the biggest Notre Dame fan from the mm. standpoint he feels like they should be all in in the ACC. And you know what? I don't disrespect his opinion. It's a viable argument, but Notre Dame has a wonderful agreement. And you know what, Eric? I always say this. I think the ACC needs Notre Dame more than Notre Dame needs the ACC because you look at stadiums across the country. There were 30,000 fans for that Pitt-Wake Forest game down in Wake Forest on Saturday. When Notre Dame comes to town, stadiums are full, parking lots are all jammed together with cars, and they're making money off that. Concessions go pretty well. So I think the ACC does pretty well with this agreement. I think they do, too, and to a certain extent, I can, um, I don't know if respect is the right word I want to say, but tolerate Pat Narduzzi's whining about this. And yeah. I think it's because it's whining <laughs> rather than, you know, a debate or whatever with kind of an intellectual level. But here, here's my thought that sure. really probably should have shut him up is in 2020, Notre Dame was a member of the ACC, went undefeated <laughs> during the regular season, including a 45-3 road win at Pitt. So, I don't know. I, I, do, I do think that Notre Dame does bring a lot. A lot of the bowl packages that the ACC has is because Notre Dame is a <laughs> part of that. Yeah. And so, and, and and I think Notre Dame certainly gets a benefit too. I'm not saying it's all one way. I think it's it's a really good uh, agreement. I don't know how Pat Narduzzi would benefit from Notre Dame being a full time member. Very good point. And I'll tell you what: when Pat retires and he wants to join the InsideNDSports.com live <laughs> chat you have every Wednesday, he's going to have to clean up the whining because whining is not allowed unless it's right. after like a game against Louisville. Otherwise, Eric, we just don't tolerate whining on those chats. That's true. And even then it has to be tasteful or humorous. Yeah. And I'm worried he might break the bare feet rule as well, but we'll worry about that <laughs> when the time comes. All right. Eric and Darren with you on this Thursday advantage game coming up. We'll go through some of the questions Eric was asked in his chat on Wednesday at InsideIndieSports.com and have a Notre Dame football discussion. We have our Twitter question of the day. Six o'clock hour, you will hear from Coach Narduzzi as he talks about Sam Hartman in a Notre Dame uniform. Also, the play of a Notre Dame graduate, Pittsburgh running back Sebo Flemister, and how Christian Vieira is faring right now as the new starting quarterback instead of Phil Jerkovic. Also, we have a little sizzler on the way, and Tim Murray. My good friend from VEASAN.com out in Las Vegas, the diehard Notre Dame football fan who hosts a sports wagering show on VEASAN each weeknight at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We talk all things Fighting Irish. And also I bring up to him a wager I talked about on Tuesday's show at DraftKings Sportsbook. The over-under for Notre Dame football regular season wins is 9.5. If you go over 9.5, it's at plus 165. So if you bet 100, you win 165. Is that a smart bet? I asked him that, and he gives you a different way of maybe going about putting some money on that wager. So we'll get to that coming up in the 6 o'clock hour here on WSBT Radio. But right now, let's get to the world-famous Advantage game where Eric offers you thoughts on six major parts of the next Notre Dame football game, which is against the 2-5 and five Pittsburgh Panthers 3-30 kickoff 
here on WSBT Radio. Our pregame coverage starts at 9 a.m., and it wraps up whenever Jim says they're done with the official Notre Dame football postgame show. Jim and Reggie Brooks will break it all down for you. Hopefully a nice, calm, comfortable postgame show with Notre Dame putting together a nice win, but I think there are some components in this game that might make you pause that Pittsburgh might be able to hang around, and that might come up in our advantage game discussion with Eric. So, Eric, let's get things started with the Pittsburgh rushing attack. I kind of feel like, Eric, they need this to be a big part of their offense when you still have a young quarterback in terms of starts in Christian Vieira. Right now, ready to go to run this offense. It would be awfully nice, I think, for Pat Narduzzi to rely on a Notre Dame graduate or somebody else to get that running game rolling. So what's going to happen on Saturday when you've got Pittsburgh running the football? Okay, so Pittsburgh is 112th in the country in rush offense. You kind of do a reset a little bit with Christian Vieira taking over for former Notre Dame quarterback Phil Jakovic. Uh, who started? Yeah, who started the first five games uh, for the Panthers this year? He uh, Christian has started the last two: the win over Louisville, the loss to Wake Forest. Sebo Flemister also became a starter in the last two games. He was kind of the number two back up until that point. Had a decent game against Louisville, and then went up for over 100 yards against uh, Wake Forest, and that's the first time. Uh, Pittsburgh back has been over 100 yards this year. Notre Dame is 50th in run defense. That's more or less the weakest part of Notre Dame's defense right now. I think they could probably tighten that up. And certainly in this game, when you think about how defensive coordinator Al Golden's going to attack Pittsburgh's offense, I think the most reasoned way to go about that is to attack the run and say we're going to dare Christian Veyer to beat us through the air even though his name has air in it Um, (laughs) so I think Notre Dame is going to win this battle and take down Bo Flemister and the pit run game Sebo looked really good against Wake Forest and you're going to hear the comments next hour but it's not a guarantee, Mr. Hanson, according to Coach Narduzzi, that Sebo's his guy against Notre Dame. Aha. Uh-huh. We'll wait to play back those comments in the 6 o'clock hour, but I think that might have been a word salad. Okay. You agree? It could be. You know what's funny about this um, game, too, Darren, is that Pittsburgh has more members of Notre Dame's 2018 recruiting <laughs> class on its team than Notre Dame has on its team. College football, 2023, in a nutshell, right? That's right. Okay, so check mark goes to? Notre Dame. All right, so that's a good sign when Pittsburgh's run game is halted. Now we go to Veyer and that passing attack. Really, they've got three main targets that they throw to, including a tight end that's averaging 18 yards per catch, so that catches your attention. But, Eric, I... I'll talk more about this in the 6 o'clock hour, but watching the Wake Forest tape, Wake Forest played a lot of cover, too, and their corners played off those receivers. So it was pitch and catch for Veyer and their receivers. If you just want to throw five, six yards, a little out pattern, right. it was like seven-on-seven seven football. It was actually easier than that. 
Eric, it's not going to be that easy with Mr. Hart and Mr. Morrison on the field and Mr. Golan in charge of calling the plays. No. So Pittsburgh comes in 90th in the country in pass offense, 95th in pass efficiency. And Vieira and Jerkovic to this point have very similar pass efficiency numbers. Notre Dame is number four in the country in pass efficiency defense, and that's after having just faced Caleb Williams. You know, yeah. usually when you face him, you're going to take a big drop. They didn't. Uh, so I think this is really a mismatch in Notre Dame's favor. I'd say the biggest mismatch of any of the categories here. I think you're on a good track right there. All right, so both check marks to the Notre Dame defense when Pittsburgh runs it or throws it. Now let's flip the script. It's time to talk about Jared Parker's Fighting Irish offense. Taking on a Pittsburgh defense, Eric, that seems to already have the game plan in place to execute what some other... Yeah, so um, if you're still there, Darren, just let me know. And if you're not, I'm going to answer your question. So uh, Notre Dame is 55th in rushing offense. Pitt is number 45 in rushing defense. And yet it's really been hit and miss with them with their rush defense. They opened with Wofford, which is an FCS team, and that was minus one rushing yards. And so it's kind of skewed Pitt's rush defense a little bit. Cincinnati was able to run on them. Wake, to a certain extent, was able to run on them. But I think, again, Pitt will really lean into what Louisville and Duke did well and that's try to make Notre Dame beat them through the air, and they will probably have an extra player, if not more, in the box on some downs against Notre Dame. So I'm actually going to give the check mark to Pitt in this particular matchup. Okay, so I'm going to keep going with this while we get Darren back, and we're going to go when Endy passes the ball. And... Notre Dame comes in 48th in the country in pass offense and 11th in pass efficiency as a team. Sam Hartman is also individually number 11. And this is where Pittsburgh's weakness is. They're 26th overall in total defense. They don't give up a lot of yards. They do give up a lot of yards and yards per throw and touchdowns. Uh, they're 95th in pass efficiency defense. Um, not the worst team Notre Dame has seen in pass efficiency defense this year, but one of the worst. I think, again, even with um, some of the problems oh, that Notre check, Dame's check, had check. in the passing game, and Darren's back with us, that that uh, Notre Dame's have in the passing game, that Notre Dame is going to win this particular matchup again. Now, the one thing that's that makes it more difficult is Pitt is really good at rushing the passer. They're 11th in the country in sacks, which is actually lower than they have been the past few years. They're usually first or second in the country, but they're averaging almost four sacks a game. So they are going to bring pressure. They're willing to gamble. But again, I think Notre Dame gets the check mark when the Irish are throwing the ball. I guess Pat Narduzzi didn't like my comments earlier. I guess he just cut me off, Eric. Hey, if you're not going to be all in as an announcer, an <laughs> ACC announcer, if you're going to be doing this Big Ten hockey stuff. 
Well, I'll tell you what. The Big Ten's pretty good. I enjoy the Big Ten. So, Pat, you're going to have to deal with Notre Dame being in the Big Ten for hockey. Sorry about that. So I assume that Notre Dame got both check marks on offense. They got both check marks. No, no. I, I actually gave Pitt the advantage when Pitt was on run defense. Really? Yeah. Okay. I thought that's the one area that they're going to load up on that, that they're going to count on that being what makes turns us into the Louisville game. So they're going to say Sam Hartman throw for 400 yards. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, they're not going to let Notre Dame run it. If Notre Dame can throw the ball down the field and right. make plays, they're going to be okay with that. They'll have to adjust, but they're going to make that happen. Right. This is naturally kind of how Pittsburgh plays, that yeah. they're going to lean into their run defense. They're going to take their chances in the passing game, and they're going to bet that even if you get some – explosives on them in the passing game they're going to be able to sack you enough to get you behind the chains and keep you off the scoreboard and their basis for that is in Pat Narduzzi's time at Pittsburgh they've got five sacks or more in a game 27 times now he's been there since 2015 so we're talking almost nine seasons but still 27 times and they are 25 and two when they get five sacks or more wow all right Good stats right there. Eric and Darren with you. The Advantage Game on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Next up in our Advantage Game, Eric, Intangibles. Well, you know, I don't know that there's a lot of intangibles for Pitt other than they have three guys on their team that played for Notre Dame. One of them's the captain, that's Shane Simon, who's a linebacker and who's one of their better defensive players. Sebo uh, Flemister is now a starting running back for them. And then Phil Jakovic is their third-string quarterback. And just, you know, Pat Narduzzi's kind of bad humor about this whole series. <laughs> Notre Dame's won six out of the last seven. Some of these have been pretty close. The last um, game was not the 2020 game in Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh did not have its starting quarterback in that game. But Notre Dame is coming off a of bye week. I like the way Marcus Freeman said that he approached the post bye week practices. You know, he wanted to get the players mentally and physically have a break for four days. But then when they came back, they usually have a walkthrough on Monday. They had a hard practice on Monday. They did a lot of ones versus ones because he wanted to create quote-unquote friction, <laughs> getting them back into game mode. I like that approach, and so I'm going to give Notre Dame the intangible here. And, Eric, we wrap things up with special teams. Neither one of these um, programs is tearing it up with special teams. Jadarian Price's touchdown, um, long touchdown kickoff return against USC elevated Notre Dame all the way up to 13th in that category. I, I would say I'm going to give Notre Dame a little bit of an advantage just because – Spencer Schrader has been on a bit of a roll lately. And yeah. if you need to kick a field goal between 50 and 59 yards, he's four of six in that range. There's not a lot of kickers in the country that could approach that kind of percentage from 50 yards and out. So Notre Dame gets a little check mark there. All right, very good. That's our advantage game for tonight. Notre Dame and Pittsburgh 330 kickoff. 
from Notre Dame Stadium. And again, the game right here on WSBT Radio. For more on the matchup, while you're listening to the show, maybe later tonight, check out Eric's website, InsideIndieSports.com. Speaking of that website, that is the place where you can ask Eric questions on Wednesday during his live chat. We've grabbed some questions. We'll talk some Notre Dame football coming up next as Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolls on on this Thursday from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Abby, thank you very much. Sports Beat continues on this Thursday. I'm Darren Pritchett from the Compton Family Ice Arena. Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, back in our WSBT studios. Before we get to our chat recap, just want to mention this. Polls are poll, but the ACC men's basketball preseason poll came out today, and there are some familiar faces at the top. Duke, number one, they got 44 first-place votes. Miami is second, coming off their final four run last year. They got five first-place votes. Third place, North Carolina with one. Fourth place, Virginia with one. And Clemson, fifth. Where are the Fighting Irish? Well, you have to scroll down just a little bit. Then you got to scroll down a little further. Eric, then you have to maybe Hmm. one more time scroll down because Micah Shrewsbury's Irish are picked dead last in the ACC, 15th place, eight votes behind 14th place Louisville and 57 points behind 13th place Georgia Tech. So polls are polls. They're fun, but I can understand the outside media, Eric, not really believing the Irish because I don't think any of us know what to expect this year because it's a brand-new roster, and we're going to see how these parts fit together very, very soon. But I don't take offense to that because if I'm in South Bend and this was going on at Wake Forest or NC State, I'd probably put that team last too when you consider what about 95, 98% of the offense from last year is gone. Yeah, I think that's um, reasonable. And then when you look at the pieces that they added, I mean, there weren't big scoring pieces Mm -mm. in the transfer portal. They're more players that are ready to kind of make a leap to their next level, maybe more defensive-oriented players, and then they have some freshmen that they're going to really count on on this team. But I will say this. If somebody asks me how I think they'll do, I do think they'll play a little bit above expectations just because they're going to create some matchup problems by how many of them can handle the ball, by how well they'll lean into shot selection, And even though they may not match up well defensively, it's going to be emphasized they're going to come after you defensively. So I like – there's some elements I like about this team. And that's what I love there at the end. They're going to play defense, and that's going to give you a a good chance in every ball game. So that's going to be a a little different philosophy than we're used to. And the other philosophy worked pretty well too. So we'll see how it goes. I'm excited to see Micah Shrewsbury rebuild this Fighting Irish program. Eric, we took some of your questions from your chat with Irish fans at InsideIndieSports.com. The chat was yesterday at noon. The next chat is next Wednesday at noon Eastern time at InsideIndieSports.com. Question number one, Joe from Williams Bay, Wisconsin. I was wondering what you think the problem is with Jordan Patello this year. He seems to be playing very tentatively and seemingly making no impact pressuring the quarterback. Yeah, Jordan has played – 
Jordan has been in a three-man rotation at the Viper end position. He's played 284 snaps this year, which is the most among those guys. The other two, Josh Burnham and Junior Tuihalamaka, have been around 100. And then Bubakar Triori got on the field against USC and got a sack, and he may be able to work his way into that rotation. I think um, let's talk about Jordan first, and then we'll talk about the other guys. I think Jordan went from being a guy that was a niche player. Ironically, the best thing he did was pass rush, but he wasn't very good in run defense. He was not a particularly disciplined player. He got a lot of penalties. And I think his focus this offseason was getting rid of those deficiencies. I think in that process, there's a lot for him to think about. He's moved back and forth between linebacker and Viper during his career. And, and in the process, he lost a little bit of his pass rush edge. Um, I wouldn't give up on Jordan Botello. I think if he decides to come back to Notre Dame next year for a fifth year, we'll see a much more complete, more explosive player. But right now, some of the younger guys are surging. Josh Burnham has yeah. played at a really high level the whole season. When you look at you know, the pro football focus grades, Burnham's grade is one of the higher ones on Notre Dame's defense of anybody, and it continues to get better. And then if Bubakar Chorori can show that he can play on running downs and then having him on the field for pass rush, you, you may expand that to a four-man rotation and get him in the mix. So I wouldn't say – I mean, Botello, you know, maybe the bye week will be good for him and he'll – He'll have a resurgence. I still think there's a really good player there, but he hasn't shown it consistently this season. Next up, Eric, what do you know about the status of future Notre Dame-USC games with the Trojans joining the Big Ten next year? I hope the rivalry can continue, but wonder if the mid-October games in South Bend and late November games in L.A. will be affected. Your thoughts? Well, that's on my checklist the next time I have a chance to sit down with either outgoing AD Jack Swarbrick or incoming AD Pete Bavacqua. But what I do know is this, that the contract, the current contract, goes through 2026. And then USC going into the Big Ten complicates things. Certainly both sides have said they'd love to continue this series. The question is, can they get a, a mid-October, late-November kind of setup that they have now uh, with, you know, there being a lot of moving parts here. They're also now, you know, usually what happened was they would flip-flop with Stanford, whoever came in to Notre Dame in mid-October, then the other team would host Notre Dame on the West Coast after mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. But now Stanford's going into the ACC. Does this complicate things further? Again, on all fronts, they want to continue these series on a yearly basis on both sides, but it's a matter of working out the details. The AC seemed, seemed to be shopping at blue light specials and adding some teams from my standpoint. <laughs> okay, okay, next up. Well, Eric. at least they, you didn't have to pay full price. No, you didn't, actually. They got a pretty good discount. Okay, so next question. I know Coach Freeman discussed offensive execution and simplifying, I'll throw in clarity as well, during his press <laughs> conference on Monday. 
but do you think there are other areas where they are trying to improve offensive effectiveness? Any chance they're looking at run-blocking schemes considering how easily opponents seem to be defending the run? While Jared Parker may be new to the offensive coordinator role, shouldn't the input and experience of Rudolph and Guduli mitigate that and accelerate overcoming these issues? Well, I know the one thing that they're not putting in is a reverse pass in the red zone. Um, but, but other than that, I hope they do. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be funny? Let me address the second part of this first: the yeah. Jared Parker uh, benefiting from Joe Rudolph's experience and Gino Gadulli's experience as offensive coordinator. So Joe was uh, the offensive coordinator at Pittsburgh in the regime that was just ahead of Pat Narduzzi coming. In fact, Joe Rudolph was the interim head coach when Pat Narduzzi was hired. And then Gino Gadouli has um, some offensive coordinator experience from his time at Cincinnati. Not a lot of it, but he has some. And I think during the week, and, and even on game day, there's some great interactions there. But you realize a lot of these decisions have to be made on a split second. And so in the heat of the game, it's not like, you know, Gino's sitting next to Jared in the press box. Gino is on the sideline. Um, and so he's got to make those decisions. So I think it mitigates how much that they can help Jared Parker. I'll give Parker credit. A lot of guys would either be too insecure or have too big of an ego to invite that kind of feedback from those other offensive assistants. He's very open to it. And as far as what they're going to do differently, I mean, the obvious thing is they have to be able to throw down the field. They have to be able to get their passing game going so they can unload the box. That's job number yes. one. Some of the nuances that the questioner asked about here, they're not going to discuss publicly whether they are doing new blocking schemes or things like that. I would, I would say... I wouldn't look for a lot of wholesale changes from what he mentioned to improve. I think, again, simplifying rather than changing things, I think is where we're going to see um, what Marcus Freeman wants to do to improve the offense. And I think having healthy wide receivers is going to help too. And the whole Rico Flores, Tobias Merriweather question at the field, receiver position, how many reps each of those two get, how effective they can get, that's going to affect the passing game too. So not not a lot of wholesale changes. Okay, as I set up the rest of this segment, I want you to look at your phone because I think I have breaking news on a picture I just sent you. You'll hear Eric laugh in about 10 seconds, and then I'll do the breaking news at the end. All right, next up in our InsideND.com chat recap, Eric Hansen, Darren Pritchett with you on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on WSBT Radio. Did the picture send? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. The wow is good enough for me. Okay. Eric, <laughs> just as you were answering that question, I had to do it. I'll explain. I'll let the inside joke happen here in a minute. Okay. Okay. Now that we're on the backside of the season, is it time to look who is going to be the next Notre Dame quarterback? Is Angeli up to the task? Anyone behind him? Or is the transfer portal going to fill the gap again? 
Well, I ha- I thought I had a pretty good answer to this, and yet this inspired me to ask this question to Marcus Freeman today in the Zoom, and he gave a great answer. He did. So I'm going to go with his answer over my answer, and that is, um, you know, they started to do the calculus on this in August. They were looking at these guys during training camp when they got a really extended look, and by these guys, I mean Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie. Steve Angeli is a sophomore Kenny Minchie is a freshman. The other player that's in this mix is C.J. Carr, who's a senior at Saline High School in Michigan, high four-star quarterback, and he'll enroll in January, so he'll be here for spring football. So really it comes down to are you going to entertain a portal option? And Marcus Freeman said, you know what, that's on our docket for things to do in the next bye week which runs November 5th through the 11th. So that's when they're going to kind of finalize their plans. And they really kind of have to do that, Darren, because the portal opens this year on December 4th and closes on January 2nd. Now, that doesn't mean you can't take a transfer after January 2nd. That means players can't jump in the portal unless they're grad transfers. They can do it any time. But underclassmen can't jump in after January 2nd until – the window reopens in April. So they've got to be ready to go because if you're competing for the top quarterbacks, you're having third-party discussions with those quarterbacks before the portal even opens. So I thought Marcus' answer, he he felt like they have gotten to know Kenny Minchie, Steve Angeli a lot better that Sam Hartman's presence on the roster has really helped those guys become better prospects. Otherwise, I think a portal guy would be automatic. And Marcus talked in terms of numbers, but here's the thing to really watch here, Darren. Let's say they take a portal starter. I mean, a guy that's surefire starter. So that gets you up to four, but then do you lose Minchie or Angeli because of that transaction? Last year, they lost two quarterbacks. One in December, one in April, because they took a portal quarterback. We've got Kurt from Warsaw. Eric, can you see the Irish passing more against a defense like Pittsburgh? And I would say, Kurt, heck yes. Um, That's what Pittsburgh doesn't do well. And that's also the path out of Notre Dame seeing a loaded box every week from its opponents. So absolutely, that was an easy yes. Okay. But you still want to be balanced. I mean, the the key is you always want to put that opposing defensive coordinator in a run-pass dilemma. But, yes, to do that, they're going to have to pass more and pass better. Okay, I've got time for one, maybe two more. Okay. Adam from Dayton, Ohio. Maybe too broad of a question for a chat, but he says he'll try anyway. You have seen Notre Dame in all forms. Great, hold some parentheses, very good, Kelly in parentheses, and subpar, in parentheses, Davey Willingham-Weiss. What sense, vibe, do you get to the program that Marcus Freeman is building, and where would you bet he will fall on this spectrum? My sense is, at this point, 22 games into his era, that he would be above Davey Willingham-Weiss. I've seen enough, especially with recruiting on both sides of the ball. Right that I would put him above that. I would put him right now on a trajectory to kind of be in the Kelly range, 
with the possibility of raising that to the Lou Holtz range, and this is why. I think Marcus has a pretty good learning curve. I've seen improvements over him. Yeah, we've seen some, uh, you know, we've seen some steps back. We've seen the ten men on the field, some of the operational things, but I do see more steps forward. Um, and so I think if he continues down that road, combined with his recruiting, he can continue to recruiting. And if Notre Dame helps him out, and I mean by Notre Dame, I mean the academic side of things helps him out with a little bit broader interpretation of transfer students. Marcus has a chance to be between Kelly and Holtz. Okay, let's see if I can sneak this one in. Eric, we've got Jerry from Portland, Maine, okay. and he wants to know, if you're a betting man, who would you say comes into the 24 recruiting class before signing day, if anyone, and also any indication of early enrollees? There's a couple of um, there's a couple of guys they may flip. They're trying to flip four players. I think Carter Nelson, a tight end who's committed to Nebraska, Ugboko is a defensive lineman who's committed to Georgia. I'd say those two have the best chance. I don't think Justin Scott's coming. I don't no. think Caleb Beasley's coming. As far as the early enrollees, the ones that we do know are C.J. Carr. Cam Williams, Micah nice. Gilbert, Styles Prescott, Peter Jones, Sean Saviano Jr., Logan Thomas, and Kingston Viliamu Asa. Definitely not coming. Logan Sadalte early, Bodie Cahoon, uh, Carson Hobbs, and Tabron Benny Powell. The rest are up in the air. We don't know yet one way or another which one they're doing. Okay, very good. And we heard one of our individuals who wrote in your chat mentioned Lou Holtz by the way Lou is now 0-2 predicting Ohio State games this year we will take a time out and again if you'd like to join Eric for the next chat go to InsideIndieSports.com that's InsideIndieSports.com Wednesday at noon Eastern Time Twitter X question of the day coming up next on WSBT This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I forgot to do the inside joke at the last segment, so I'll tell you, I sent Eric a picture of, of the hockey suite here at Notre Dame that's across from me where Andy Ludwig, the Utah offensive coordinator, that famous shot of him being on TV sitting next to Coach Freeman. Well, there are name tags on the seats tonight, so I'm like, Eric, something big's going to happen tonight so we could have breaking news here at the hockey game so who knows who's going to be sitting in those seats but it just reminded me that's where Ludwig was sitting and Eric we have name tags on seats so be prepared for breaking news tonight okay I'm already I'm I'll listen to your broadcast and you can scream it over the air but it's kind of ironic and funny you oh you get it's it. hilarious yeah yeah Okay, Twitter question of the day yesterday at 960 Sportsbeat, sitting with a record of 6-2. and two, And Notre Dame has Pitt, Clemson, Wake Forest, and Stanford on the schedule. Your expectation is the Irish will end the regular season 10-2. said yes, that is my expectation. Only 14% said no. Eric and I went with the yes yesterday. Now let's get to today's question, again at Twitter X. My account is at 960 Sportsbeat. What is the most likely outcome of the Notre Dame Pitt game? Four choices. Number one, Notre Dame wins by 1 to 14 points. Choice two, Notre Dame wins by 15 to 24. Third choice, Notre Dame wins by 25 or more. 
fourth choice pit wins. As you answer the question, Eric, why don't you pass along your score prediction? I my choice is if my math is correct, Notre Dame wins by fourteen to twenty four points, and I am picking the Irish thirty one to ten. Okay. Well, I've got thirty four seventeen right now, Notre Dame. So I am in that same group of numbers. So actually, you're in the upper one. I'm in the second one. So we actually are in different ones. So we have plenty of time to make changes before our game day show on Saturday. You have 14 in the first and the second categories. But online I fixed it. That was a typographical error that was made. There was not enough clarity, Eric, so I clarified it online. (laughs) You threw a reverse pass in the red zone. Don't you understand what clarity means? (laughs) It's not the play caller's fault. I didn't mess up. Okay, so that is the question. Vote on my Twitter account. At 960 Sports Beat. Eric, we got about 40 seconds for what's coming up at InsideIndieSports.com. Well, I have a notebook today. I te- really teased out the whole 2024 quarterback thing, including how the schedule sets up for that. Uh, also in that notebook is how Notre Dame deals with sign stealers. And then, uh, seriously, it was <laughs> yeah, good, I know. good stuff. Um, Tyler has an opponent outlook. We have a recruiting story from Charleston. The chat transcript is still up. Podcast from earlier this week with Miles Boykin, former ND receiver, and much, much more. Eric, good to talk to you. I will see you at the stadium on Saturday for Game Day Sports Beat, brought to you by Bud Light at noon. I will see you. I will see you as well. All right, Eric, thank you very much. We've got another hour of Sports Beat. Coming up next, you'll hear from VEASAN's. Tim Murray on the Notre Dame-Pittsburgh matchup. Sportsbeat continues in a moment on WSBT South Bend. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 